Welcome back, nobodies, to your favorite Doom Patrol podcast, this side of the IT help desk. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about, uh, well, the title of today's episode is Doom Patrol. So, What better title to start with? You know, it took us four years. <laughs> it took us four seasons to get here. Actually, that is, that is something I want to bring up with you, Nate, is um, it, it seemed like a long time since we've talked about Doom Patrol. Yeah, a little bit. It's been a spell, a hot minute, if you will. If you, if yeah. you, if you will, if you will. I don't know if, if you, you will. If you can will it, then you can will we, it. Then we can get a, a fourth season, which we did. Yeah, we we are experiencing a fourth season of Doom Patrol. It is a great time to be here. Uh, it feels like there was a reckoning on HBO Max and you know HBO streaming services. You know the whole deal. If you follow media conglomerate stuff like that. Anyways. A bunch of shows got canceled. A bunch of shows got canceled. Doom Patrol was not one of those things. Uh, so we got a fourth season, thankfully. Hopefully we get a fifth season. Uh, and, you know, I, I was looking through our catalog. The last time we recorded an episode of Doom Patrol was November 2021, which was a little over a year ago. Because now we're recording. It is now December 8th. And season four has officially started it's launched and uh it seems like what season two and three we got three episodes back to back to back mm -hmm. every on the on those first nights uh this is a two-parter or, or two episode drop yeah. of season four so can i say something about these things about the double episode or about the multiple episode drops yeah not a biggest not the biggest fan now i i, I understand don't like it and i yes. and it 100% has to, if not 99%, has to come down to just the scheduling of like how long that show is going to be on the airwaves versus like when other, another show is going to be getting put into that place. But that kind of goes back to TV scheduling and seasons in my mind, you know? Like there was a certain amount of episodes on cable television that you could play all the way up until fall when new television started and everything. There was that break and then everything started back up in the summer, yada, yada, yada. It's not like the same for streaming services so i don't know it was when the third episodes dropped the last season i was still like you know like eh, okay we got to talk it just got to a, a point where it was like everything was rushed especially on our end with the show it kind of felt bad um just because it wasn't you know giving the due diligence i think we did i think we kicked our you know i think we kicked ass with that but hey that's just yes me. uh anyway this is only two episodes now i'm okay with it if it was one episode i probably would have been like dang i wish we got another episode you know what i mean two episodes i'm good i i think that is a good a good baseline but why 
why do why are we dropping multiple episodes for is it for binge purposes f- to try to get you hooked onto a new show or a new season that may be and if it is if that's what the testing was for hey i applaud you you know it's a good question i, I like your first theory where maybe it's the scheduling where it's like you only get like 11 weeks of being the premiere show on mm-hmm. on the service and then in 11 weeks we have another big show that's going to debut here and that's going to keep the hype going um maybe dropping multiple episodes at one time helps build a habit of wanting to know more about it uh i'm not a fan at all of dropping an entire season at one time i know certain streaming sites do that and i feel like um i can never have the excitement over one episode because the suspense of that episode is then ruined by the next episode so yeah um we we have two episodes to talk about today so if you're listening there's there's another episode that we that we recorded right after but in talking about today's episode doom patrol on on this podcast uh, i'm really going to try and just keep my my thoughts as if i had only just seen the one episode so i may say some things that i know there are answers to in the second episode that came out yesterday. But I'm trying to withhold that because that's the part that I get excited about. You know, the first episode ended. I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is going to be happening. And, you know, they're going to be talking about all this stuff. Um, And then in the second episode, there's explanation. There's more context. And we lose that when we talk about it as a whole thing. Like, we've seen that, that progression. Um, when shows drop as an entire season, I feel like I can't have conversations with people about the show because everyone's gotten the question and the answer within one night because some people decide to binge the entire show, which is, in my opinion, just not fun. Uh, so two episodes instead of three. Thank you. I'd like context of why they have to do that, but Hey, two episodes. It was a good time today. Just felt like a peek behind the curtain anyway. Yeah, like a tiny, tiny movie. Yeah. A little two-hour movie. So, yeah. Um, today's episode is Doom Patrol, written by Tamara Becker-Wilkinson and directed by Christopher Manley, which is two powerhouse veterans of the Doom Patrol franchise on television that we've been talking about for years now. And the synopsis for today's episode is... Uh, Doom Patrol. As they struggle to function as a cohesive group, the Doom Patrol are confronted by a horrifying realization in the future. So. What could that be? <laughs> what could that be? So there's an interesting theme that, that is introduced in this season, in this, this season uh, opener. And I feel like it's it's a really interesting direction to take the Doom Patrol because as we finish season three we were like, okay, the Doom Patrol is here. The, the Doom Force, if you will, is, is here. They've, they've gotten their shit together, and now we're going to see the Doom Patrol be Doom Patrol. Um, what I really like about this direction is that it introduces a new type of fear or, or a different way of looking at trauma. Um, we've always been looking to the past Mm -hmm. and a lot of people their fear stems from the past what has happened to them and with the doom patrol characters 
there's a lot that's happened in their past, a lot of trauma that is repressed or, um, you know, weight that they're still carrying. Um, what I like about the theming of this episode is that it feels like now we're going into the territory of man versus future or fear of the future, things that you don't know about that... Um, and I feel like one of the best characters that uh, that showcased this was Negative Man, Larry Trainer, in, in today's episode, where we will see an ominous message, and now that person has to... Um, juggle with that instead of instead of being afraid of what what have i what have i done in the past do i need to atone for that now i feel like i need to atone for something in the future that i that i have no no whereabouts of. but maybe it so. was his past dealings that could have caused the tear in the future and it's like oh so now you're fighting on both fronts okay just compile that trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma yes yes and and now you're you're scared of the future so it's a really cool, interesting theme uh, for today's episode. I'm hoping like that's like that's kind of like the direction they're going for. It's like, okay, we've talked about progress and how even in progress there could be like an, a regression at some points. Now it's a conversation of can you make new mistakes? Trying to be a better person, can you also do things in in the wrong direction? And we see that with. A lot of characters um, in today's episode. So, just overall, Nate, what did you think about today's today's Doom Patrol episode? I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a, a great way to even showcase the namesake of the episode. It, it this is this is a normal Doom Patrol Doom Patrol from all sense of the words, you know. And it was a great starting episode. Um, I said it took you know four seasons to get there to get something with the title of just having it the Doom Patrol and it's kind of said in dialogue in the show with Dr. Harrison, like kind of summarizing everybody and what the team is at this point, you know, after the, the Suez Canal thing that happened in the, uh, in, in season three. And, you know, they've gone on multiple other missions since then, and they've actually formed a pseudo team or rather the idea of what the Doom Patrol is supposed to be in Rita's <laughs> mind and in our readers' minds, at least in my mind, it's like, yeah, that is what the Doom Patrol does. This is so normal to me. Um, and it was just exciting to see that we're kind of like we're fit into a groove. Um, it still feels like a superhero team-up show. You can still put it in the same umbrella as, you know, the other ones like Titans and everything where it is these characters being portrayed by humans that are like you know having to deal with the characters emotions and conflicts and everything as they come and portraying that on the screen and it's just so normal from book to screen now like it's it it just fits everything was very it fit perfectly now <laughs> there was nothing yeah. like outstanding there nowhere in my mind was i like ever thinking a new viewer is going to be like i don't like that and, you know, it was always, like, in the back of my head, like, showing people, like, hey, you should watch Doom Patrol, especially in the first couple seasons and everything, where it was like, it's weird, but I promise it's good, and you don't really need to do that anymore. And you just be like, yeah, it's Doom Patrol. This is what it is. Love it or leave it. and You're not going to leave it, so we'll be here all week. Yeah. It, the, the strangeness is is in its DNA, which is which which is what carries it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was a, a fantastic pilot or or, or or premiere for for a season, right? Like it 
it feels like a comic book, right? Like mm-hmm. Dr. Harrison is narrating what the Doom Patrol is, what they're supposed to be like. And yet, even though this is season four, it feels like it subverts the expectation that the Doom Patrol should have. Like they should have their shit together. They should be executing plan three. Right. Let's go kick this guy's ass. And and then they can't because they're uh, dysfunctional. Just, yeah, dang. Yeah. We're and on the so same point. it... it like it feels like a really good introduction for anyone if they were picking up a comic book or if they were watching this show it is like here are the characters here's what they're supposed to be here how here's how it's not that in reality and it introduces each character what their problems are so it's a great introductory episode for anyone if they want to get into doom patrol like this would be a great time to to jump in uh, and if you want to go back and watch the other seasons, it's it's episodes like this that draw you to go do that because you're like, I, I want to see what what they've been through and, and all that stuff. And Dr. Harrison, um, as as a character that's leading Crazy Jane and, and, and Diane's performance of Dr. Harrison throughout, and even um, uh, Catherine Carlin, who plays Dr. Harrison inside the underground, um, it's a fantastic character that was highlighted a bit in the Gerard Gerard Way run of Doom Patrol. Um, so it's cool to see a personality like that be the, the main driver of, of Kay Chalice in, in, in today's episode. It feels like a, it very much feels like a comic book and it's a fantastic entrance to a to a new season of Doom Patrol and even to the show itself. It seems now that you brought up Gerard Way, it seems like they're on such an incredible hype of blending all of these writers and directions from the book and the series that we know of into this one show i mean this is like the beginning is all like rachel pollock doom patrol stuff and it's like yeah that's it that's 90s doom patrol like you're i'm seeing it i read it in a comic book it's exactly what is happening this is great there's gerard way's aspects coming in with like the character aspects too and how they're growing within themselves and from season to season and all the way back to grant morrison's just original ideas of what these traumatized superheroes are now it's like fourth season everything is blended so well into one piece and bright and colorful and it just looks good it's i i don't want to say like you know it 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 I'm not saying that it's taken this long to become a completed piece. No, it's always always been a completed piece. It's just now we have so much more to look back on and see the evolution. And it's like, look how much, look how look how great it's doing. Like it's just better and better and better as the seasons go on. Yeah, it feels like with the end of season three, it was it was like a congratulatory. We built the universe finally. We, yeah. We've established not only the Doom Patrol, but the world that they live in. And now season four, it feels a little bit like they can they can really start to play around with the assets that are in that universe. Highlight on on ass on asset. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's like this this whole episode to me, it all it, it felt like Empire Strikes Back. Like it felt like a a a, a sequel. Um, like nothing was really like let's start fresh. It was like you are kind of already established we know where we're at if you don't know where we're at we're going to help you get to that point and like make sure that you know where everybody is at but it Mm -hmm. it started out like this like a second you know if it was a movie it's like this is the second thing you get the team all ready to go they're out doing a mission and that mission is 
as the missions go, you know, just like a normal kind of every day. Here's another mission. You know, we already already had so many already under our belt. It's just just another day. It just felt good. Yeah, it feels like when you pick up from the 80s versions of Doom Patrol, like whether you're coming from Grant Morrison or you're jumping into the Rachel Pollock, it's like those characters were already had already started and even though they're picking it up and starting their own arcs those characters are already established and they're just reintroducing who they are what they're doing and and so forth so it is this episode starts off really strong of just introducing it for the new people and also having fun with it for those that have been with it since day one and um you mentioned rachel pollock uh there is some there, there is a character in in today's episode that is uh, a, a Rachel Pollock creation, and I think it's a very interesting character to talk about. Um, let's start at the beginning, though, uh, and we're going to start in the future, where I, there's been a a butt apocalypse, uh, now starring zombie butts. So we've had butts that escaped the ant farm. Then they became werewolf zombies, and then the Doom Patrol were zombies, and they were eating the butts. And now this is this is the part of Doom Patrol where it's hard to explain it to someone who hasn't <laughs> seen it yet, right? Sure. Um, I, I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is with these butts, man. I I can't tell you. You know, um, they're no scissormen, but it's uh. But but that that's what it is, you know. I I don't mean to assume, but those those asses are making an ass out of me more than I can assume what what the point is of the butts, you know. Like I I try to figure it out. I I'm trying to see like what is the origin of these butts. Why I want to know like where where that creation comes from because it's such a wacky thing, uh, in Doom Patrol like the TV show, so. Uh, when I found out it was about the butts again, and there's now there's a butt apocalypse, I was like, "Sure, you know what? Yeah. Let's. <laughs> you just gotta let it happen. You tie up the loose end too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I thought that it was concluded with Darren Jones in season three when they became zombies and all that, and then they were fighting butts, and we we're like, okay. Have have your fun because then after that, then we got into the sisterhood of Dada, and then that's when things I felt like things were um, really developing between who the Doom Patrol are and uh, what Rita Farr's arc was going to be. But it just seemed like okay, they came back from the dead, and then and then there's zombies and there's butts, and they gotta fight that for some reason. But uh, yeah, we're in a, we're in a butt apocalypse in the future. Uh, it says Cloverton was the epicenter of this, so it's a it's a clue into what has happened. We know that there's uh, that something in Cloverton caused the butt apocalypse that took over the world. So um, amazing cold open or just opening for 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 Doom Patrol uh, with this episode it was beautifully shot, uh, and I really like this version of Vic Stone that we see. It's, it's a very uh, steampunk, post-apocalyptic cyborg that we have here. It's very interesting uh, character design for him. I really like 
the it looks like they had a lot of fun creating this character. Yeah. And uh, I think it's great just to see different versions of Cyborg now. Like we are able to play around with that character now that we've established who he is. Um, they made a mention. They gave him a they, they they gave him a name of they called him Omega Man uh, later on in the episode in reference to uh the the futuristic cyborg. And uh, do you know what that is in reference to? It's pretty cool. Uh, Proto Man. No, well, he, Omega Man was like an old uh I think it was from the eighties um movie uh that was the sequel to Last Man on Earth, um. And it's post-apocalyptic story and stuff like that. But the original Last Man on Earth was I Am Legend. So kind of full circle around to the apocalyptic lone survivor hanging out, you know, in a trench coat kind of deal. And you get Cyborg right there. So it's like they didn't want to call him I Am Legend. It's like you call him the the more smarter (laughs) term. It's like, okay, Omega Man. It's like, yes, that's literature. You got it. I like you. Okay, film. Yeah. It's great. It was a great opening. Um, Great. uh, Just... Like I said, character design, character design for Cyborg. I I really enjoyed the way that that opened, and like I said, it looked like they had a lot of fun doing it. There's a lot of Easter eggs in in today's episode. Um, I'll have to go back and check about episode two, but this one I was writing things down left and right about what was going on in today's episode. So as we move forward into present day, or moving back to present day. Um, Dr. Harrison is giving basically a diagnosis of each member of the Doom Patrol as they fight the villain known as Codpiece, uh, which is a character written by Rachel Pollock. It uh, it was a, a villain uh, that was defeated by Coagula in, in Doom Patrol, which I think at the time was DC's first transgender superhero at the time. Wasn't it? Which I was... Didn't... Vertigo at that time. So, yes, Vertigo. You're right. You're correct. But who cares? Um, you know, same thing. Same people. I lump it all together all the time. Um, but Coagula, yes, uh, a character we haven't seen yet. I think a lot of people have been asking for Coagula. I think uh, it's a very cool character to to have. We have. Uh, I feel like morally corrupt is has been made into more of an iconic character than 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 they were mentioned in. Um, Grant Morrison's run because I think Marley Corrupt was only mentioned uh, in the Ant Farm arc, uh, which was only like two, three uh, issues, and then the focus became Mentalo, who came out of the Ant Farm. But Marley Corrupt has, has become quite a powerful character. So if they, you know, blend, if they want to bring back Marley Corrupt and and blend a little bit more of Coagula in there, I feel like that's something they can do. Um, but the Doom Patrol is here. They're trying to do Operation Codpiece, which is uh, stop Codpiece from robbing banks because that's all this person does. And I think I think Codpiece as a character might go over some people's heads because they see something that's a very bombastic character. Um, what and do you mean? Like they see Randy Savage with a Codpiece? Well, I think a lot of people... That's what I saw. I think... <laughs> It's a, I guess I want to say design wise, this is a really great looking character. Yeah. Like it's like, very nineties. Like that is, it's great. <laughs> it's a very well performed, uh, character by, by the actor that plays Codpiece. Um, but I, I, I also think in what Doom Patrol has done, not only in the comic books, but in the, in the TV show, 
I really want to highlight some of the things that they've done in the TV show, which is you've had characters like Mentalo and the Beard Hunter, which show shade. This is a tongue twister for me. Show shades of masculinity, right? Okay. Yes. Codpiece is a total toxic masculine type of character, and. It's great to see this type of character, even though it's 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 kind of a, a humorous moment for just how bad the Doom Patrol is and thwarting such a character. And it's it's a strange character. He's doing strange things uh, with with quote unquote molten man batter. You know, like there's just some things that you're like that you laugh at, but it's not all laughing at. You know, like it's not just like oh. There must just be a, a bunch of guys in, in in a writer's room making making dick jokes. Like it's not like there's so much going on with this character, and even in like the character's conception. Like I, I'd like a lot of people to realize, like it's it's good to highlight villains that are this toxic, um, masculine, and also highlight their um, superiority complex, their inferiority complex. Right? Okay. There's something about that, and I I really enjoy seeing this character because it's like, oh, they brought Codpiece back. It, it's the same thing with when they brought Beard Hunter. I feel the same way. It's like, oh, it's so nice to have that awful type of person in this show as a villain. So I just feel like when people see a character like that, they're probably like, that's that's a little weird, but it's a good weird. It's it's a, I think it's an important one. So Important to um, see that kind of character thwarted, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, especially the way that Dr. Harrison takes down said character, I think is also... Psychologically? Yes. <laughs> so, I think it was really important, and I'm I'm very thankful to see that character. So, thank you, writers. Nate, what did you think about... Um, so, we're introducing the rest of the Doom Patrol. We're talking about, you know, who they are. Uh, we have Rita Farr, Madame Rouge on the table. Robot Man has his code name, which is Robot Man, even though he wants to go by Cliffosaurus. Um, tell me, what do you think about some of the characters and where they are now? Um, I, I think they're at a great spot now. Um, within themselves, they're they're starting to to work more together. Um, you know, they are realizing that they're in the same boat. None of them wants to be the hero, but they understand that the world is ending almost every other day. So they're the ones to do something about it. Um, it was a cool little piece that they kind of gave us a reminder in the beginning of, of um, uh, the chief saying that, you know, the world's full of monsters, but not a one of them is you. Um, and that kind of resonated with me. It's like, yeah, so, like, if anything else, like, you, you're there to at least try to fight those monsters because you may think that you may be among them, but you are not of them. Um, you know, that's just your own personal... Uh, dealings that you have to go through and and work together as this group and as a family and figure out where you're fitting in this place and uh, it seems like they're fitting pretty pretty well uh, in my mind um, now it's just you know their own issues that they have to work with each other and, and help each other through because yeah, they're all still trying you... to go about it by, by themselves you know no not a one of them is reaching out to anybody you know, that they live with, you know, their, their friends, quote, family, as if you will, and uh, not really helping with their own personal stuff. They're just, just trying to work better together, you know? 
Yeah, in in theory, they're trying to, and I, I I I'm I'm glad you brought up that quote because I feel like it's it's very, it can go either way. Either you are seeing that as confirmation, like these are good people trying to do a good thing, emphasis on trying, or you can see that as well. Niles Calder wasn't the best person either. Who's he to say that they're saints, not sinners, either? Um. So yeah, but but the, but 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 then you take it at their own actions and not what freaking Doctor Frankenstein Niles Caller is gonna say about them. You know he's wrong to begin with, but the Doom Patrol as as people they are not wrong. Niles was wrong in the creation, but in the practice, the Doom Patrol is is in the right. You know. And there's something way bigger about that. It's, it's you know, them overcoming the idea that whatever they thought the creation was or whatever Niles' creations are, you know, supposed to be, um, to just not be... I don't be, know. Yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I will put doubt in, in there, you know? Like, I will try to think of it like, you know... Maybe Rita is believing that. Maybe Rita... So Rita, in today's episode, in the way she starts season four, she's the leader of the Doom Patrol. She thinks she has it all figured out. She she knows how to coordinate the team. And they're going to go in there and they're going to be the heroes, save the world, and come home like a perfect, perfectly executed routine. And it just doesn't happen that way. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the team. It's frustrating for her. Um, she's not happy with their performance. She's not happy with some of the people she has to work with. And to have that foundation of the person who made me this way told me that I'm not a monster, but I'm a hero now is conditioning for this type of superiority this type of um setting up for failure i see what you're getting but yeah but i'm uh, holier than thou type of type of uh, yeah outlook but that's just rita you know and in rita's mind she it's 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 not going to plan and it's not working and it's not being a superhero team because they're not doing the play the superhero team the doom patrol they're not hitting their marks you know rita is and she's stuck wondering, well, why aren't they hitting their marks? And it's still going back to, well, it's not just you and your problems. It's it's everybody, you know? Yeah, Niles said that you have a chance to be heroes or whatever. Rita took that as, yeah, let's go into a team. Everybody else took that as, we're not a team. We're not superheroes. Let's just do what we can to not have the world end because we're still living in it, you know? Um, it, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just... Rita's still stuck in that in that that complex of controlling everything and and it being what she knows it it everything is supposed to go to the script, you know um yes, I think she's still trying to prove that she's a good person um and there are moments where she is and and ultimately she wants to do the the make the right decisions um but I think maybe maybe the ends justify the means in in her opinion um but we do have multiple characters that that have this same perspective. Um, Doctor Harrison herself 
is is one of those characters where right now Dr. Harrison is the primary for Kay Chalice. And so uh, Dr. Harrison believes that she can do a better job than Crazy Jane, which Crazy Jane is at the moment hiding somewhere in the underground in Kay Chalice's repressed memories. And Dr. Harrison has taken control. And quickly in, in that battle with Codpiece, we see Dr. Harrison is like, oh, I have it all figured out. You know, just like Rita Farr is like, I have it all figured out. Dr. Harrison's like, I have it figured out. This is what we got to do. Boom, I beat the bad guy. I must be the one that's right. You know, that's validation for me. And as we go through the episode, she realizes with the ghost of Christmas future that that's not the way that that it it really is harder than she thinks. And it's not going to be this easy to bring victory to Kate Chalice. And the same thing with Rita Farr. She will meet her ghost of Christmas future and be like, oh, my ghost is telling me I fucked up somehow, but won't really spill the beans. But there's something I must reconcile in in myself about how I'm treating others around me. But she hasn't gotten that yet. She hasn't gotten that realization yet. She's only been uh, forewarned of of the future, if you will. Um, Madame Rouge, there uh, we I, we have to remember that this is a a, a villain in the comic books. This is uh, supposed to be not a good person. Um, but you can see that Madame Rouge is trying to be a good person. And um, she's really trying to be forgiven by someone who she used to call a friend. Um, things are, are very sour between Rita Farr and, and Madame Rouge. But outside of the show, I, I got to give it up for Michelle Gomez. Uh, there's just something about her, her behavior, her, her mannerisms that are just so fun to watch. It's the little quirky things she does with like facial expressions and like movement and and just like it, a lot of times it just feels like she's improving a lot of like what she's doing in front of the camera. Like if she's going to run and distract Cotopy, she's gonna like flail her hands up like she's like in peril, like a damsel. But, in yeah, distress, but like but what it, would you do if someone said draws fire? It's like yeah, what do you? What do you mean? Like, I will just go, ah, and wave yeah, your like hands and run across. It's like, that's just drawing fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a moment at the end of the episode where she's trying to have this uh, intimate conversation with Rita Farr, and the door swings towards her. Now, I'm confused. That, that <laughs> like, it was like a, 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 a series of events that just unfolded in my mind of why that door opened like that and why it needed to be addressed as such. Um, is that something psychological? Maybe Rita doesn't want doors opening inside because she doesn't like people coming in, doesn't like letting people in, yada yada. Or is it something as stupid as just like that's that was just the closet door. It was just that's the way the hinges were on that on that door. That's just how it was. I don't know. Are dressing room doors, do they open outwards like that? Is it like a preference that she made? Now I'm like, you see, it was just a, a spiral of of going down the hole of, of what all it could be and what it all could mean. But the fact that it was pointed out like, oh, yeah, that door opened that way. That's weird. Like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, it really struck me as like, to me, I was like, was it built wrong on set? And Michelle Gomez is just like, that's weird. It's not supposed to open that way. Yeah. And they're just like, just keep that in there. It's very in the, in the, um, 
behavior of, of her character. She's really embodied that character. Um, and it, it, it's just little things like that that I'm like, that's really funny. I don't care if that was intentional or not. Um, I'm glad, I, you, I had a I'm glad you paid attention to that. I, was, I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, there, that's something. Pay attention. I looked for it in in the next episode as well, just the door opening. And I was, whenever doors are opening, I was like, are they opening the wrong way? And, you know, if it, if it's Rita's far, Rita Farr's room, I'm looking to see which way the door opens. And I'm really trying to, to remember that and keep that in my head. So, um, Madame Rouge, I, w- I, I was going to say, um, strikes me as a person that has an underlying tendency to, to want to be an unjust person. Uh, where Rita Farr is striving to be a just person, I feel... Madame Rouge is is doing that in the moment, but she has this want to um, lash out against Rita. And maybe not just Rita, but maybe there's an underlying tendency um, for evil within Madame Rouge, if, if you can believe it. But there's something going on with her underneath that I think is hinted at throughout the episode. Obviously, there's the big one where her arm changes into a sword and then she puts the sword away. Um, that one's a little bit more in your face, but I feel like that moment right there, that shot of her putting away her sword arm, like she's the liquid terminator from T2. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that represents that character. So again, if you're someone watching Doom Patrol for the first time and you watch this episode, it's like, that's the character. That's what that character does ability wise. And that's what that character does behaviorally so it's it's a great um uh, little showcase of, of what that character is like but I think overall you have to specify which terminator because i think the, the next one yeah i think the next series though also have the liquid abilities in rise of machines yeah which yeah. one's that one i don't oh, that's remember that's the third one. Oh, the, the, red, oh, the red leather the, the red leather suit the t yeah i don't know 2400s or whatever the hell the designation was <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I remember now. Yes, uh, yeah, the T one thousand. So a T one thousand liquid Terminator. Yes, because Arnold is a T eight hundred. Not okay. a T six hundred. T six hundred. No, T six hundreds were they were yeah, they got the tread tires right. No, the T six hundreds have the minigun mounted on their shoulders. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I, th- okay, I think okay. right now we're probably getting we're probably pissing a lot of people off. All right, James Cameron, give me a call. I'll explain this. Hey, Jimmy Camp. <laughs> um. Okay, Robot Man, Cliff Steele. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a big episode. And like I said, we've seen both episodes. We've got to save a lot of things for the next episode. Um, in this episode, there's a couple things that Robot Man has happened to him that's fantastic. First of all, i got to give a shout-out to the shirts he's wearing. He's got a couple cool shirts on. I feel like this is a thing you and I have always liked about Robot Man in the comic books. And it translates to the TV show as well. Um, you know, wearing Iggy Pop and the Stooges, like just these black band T-shirts with the jacket. It's always like, just really cool uh, to see that. Um, later on, he's wearing a Susie and the Banshees T-shirt. It's just like, I love seeing Cliff Steele, Robot Man. I love seeing him change his his shirt, his outfit um, all the time. It, it's fantastic. I mean, the wardrobe for all the characters matches their um, matches who they are. But Did you I see all uh, the buzz about Susie and the Banshees coming coming into light now because of the 
because of the uh, what, what is it? Wednesday because of the Wednesday Adams show. Oh, is there like a hit song? She dances, on... does the Susie and the Banshees dance uh... and everything. It's, it's like she did an interview and everybody was like, "Oh my god, what's that?" It's like, yeah, it's go Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, so now listen, I'm gonna go listen to music. <laughs> now I'm gonna hear Cities and Dust or whatever. Oh yeah, you're time. gonna hear it on TikToks all the time now. Yeah. Okay. Probably Christine or something. Anyways, great band. Love them. We'll see. Uh, I guess I'll watch Wednesday at some point. It, it's just a lot of TV shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when... Okay. I got to watch this show. What are you doing? I got to... Come on. <laughs> yeah. I got this one. I got I to gotta worry about this one. That That's another thing I want to mention. Uh, in today's episode and in the next episode, I'll mention it on both. The music super supervision, like mm-hmm. the, the, the song drops when they're fighting Codpiece... That song's a banger. Yeah. And then in the next episode, there there's bangers in that one too. Like I don't really know good song picks. I don't know if it's because we are we are starting to pay attention a lot more to the music composition in things like TV shows and movies. Obviously, scores have you know been beaten down our throats and yada yada yada. But it was always original scores and everything like that. When you get to licensed music and needle drops at particular points and that are supposed to invoke you know particular feels and themes of what is happening on screen and everything like that. Um, I don't know if <laughs> I think they're just getting better at it, right? <laughs> like people are I've... just like on fucking point with these needle drops and to fit the tone of what is happening. Um, you know, I used to think I, I would have these same thoughts when I would be watching Jackass, you know, things were like all of my music influences coming from it's like that's yes. that's an amazing song that you guys put in this video like that's that was great. Whoever's doing the music supervision, you know, like Gossick or whoever is like just on point with the music, you know, it's hip, it's now it's also stuff from the older times and it's it's just good. Um, I think people are just getting better with it. I think music supervision is just really you know picked at with a fine tooth comb now and it's like you really need to do your due diligence to to figure out what song you want to play yes i i i feel like doom patrol the the show has always had really good needle drops um even in the first episode i i believe there was also um jane patrol when she's going around she's putting like the flyers on her the, um which one was that Puppet Patrol, maybe she's putting the flyers on all the um, um, uh, street street lights, electric. I'm drawing a blank here. Street, street lamp posts, lamp posts. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the music was good there as well. But yeah, in Doom Patrol, I feel like there's good needle drops. I feel like needle drops can be an afterthought, and I do feel like some people are still learning from it, where. It's when and how you use the song that it matters. Um, a little bit of like, if you're just going to just drop any song in there, sometimes I'm like, it, it's not working for me. A lot of times needle drops, they, they turn me off real quick. Yeah. Um, especially needle drops for action scenes, fight scenes, anything like that in yeah. TV shows or movies. A lot of the time I'm like, this feels like an afterthought. Like you gave this to someone else, right? To an editing team at three AM, right? And was like, just, oh, f- fight just... scene, just play kids and kids in America. Like, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of stuff like that. I'm usually like, this this is I'm turning I'm turning my brain off. You you let me know when we're done here. But this one with cod piece and 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 some of the action scenes here and and the, and the needle drops, 
I very much like it. I feel the energy. And I think that's the thing is if you pick a really good song, it really captures the energy and the aesthetic of that care of, of the vibes of, of the, of the scene. Um, sometimes it, it just feels like I'm listening to that song while also watching the TV show. It feels very disconnected. Um, but robot man, um, is given a new arm, you know? So in today's episode, in the end of season three, Cliff Steele was in the container of the brain and he was inside the giant Doom Force robot. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have his body yet. Or, or again, we've always seen plans for a cyborg 2.0 suit. Um, that hasn't come to fruition, but in today's episode, it feels like this is the first step. This is the of a Robot Man 2.0 suit. Yeah, okay. Of a Robot Man 2.0 yeah. suit. Yes. Um, and so there's a, a touching scene that preludes this between Vic Stone and Silas Stone, where again, it's, it's nice to see different iterations of Cyborg. Now that we have a TV show that we can further expand on the character and we're not just, um, detailing the origins of the character, but now we're starting to explore new avenues with the character. And so Vic Stone is no longer Cyborg. He's just Victor Stone again. And he's, you know, having this conversation with his father. He enjoys working with his father on technology. And he realizes that there is a part of Cyborg that he enjoyed doing. And it's moments like this where they finish working on Robot Man's hand. And they are like, this was fun. Like, yeah, I enjoyed doing this. Because they they did bond over it despite the horrors of of cyborg's origin story and the trauma between him and his father they bonded during those times and there's you can erase cyborg but there's memories there that you still enjoy having with your father um and it's great that that silas is still here you know living in the moment uh, in Victor's world, he's not gone or deceased or removed from the show. He can still have these moments with Silas, and, and, and that's great. It's great to see that with the characters um, and for them to um, to help Victor work through what he's doing now, which is trying to be a normal human person, which is something that all the other Doom Patrol members have requested for a long time. I, I agree. I really do agree. Um, it's just, aren't you just wait and see how and, and, and why, what it's going to be for him to want to put the tech back? Yeah, it's, um, I, I feel like it's all, it's, it's all suggested that he will. I'm, I'm liking this part though. I'm liking, I'll save it for the next episode for more detail. You're like an IT, IT man. Vic Stone? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I, it, there's nothing to admire about that. There's nothing you should want to admire about being IT person for the Justice League or anything like that. You know what thing to to, to take from that is though? 
the dude was crying all about, oh, I could, you know, remove all this stuff and not be cyborg, yada, 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 be a, be a normal person. And yet he's still not doing normal person things. He's still choosing to be with the Doom Patrol. And like, yeah, we do see things in, in the episodes of him wanting, was it in the first episode, him reaching out with the uh, social complex thing that he's going on. Um, and he's reluctant about it still. And it's, I understand that, uh, you know, you're in a comfortable spot, you got friends, you got family, you got a house and all that stuff, but you're the one that said you wanted to go off and do the things that you wanted to go do. What's holding you back from doing that? Your own self and you feeling like you belong here with these people. And, you know, what's it going to take for him to have that realization? Um, you would have thought that it would have taken him removing his tech to have that realization, but I guess not, right? Um and I guess it kind of goes to the little hat tip of uh, the uh, the etching on the time machine of you can have it all. And uh, what is all? Like, is it having that grand social life of being loved by everybody as cyborg and also being in the Doom Patrol? Like, what is what is you can have it all? Having tech and be happy? What What was, what were you not happy about that, you know? And it's just a vicious circle, if you will. Yeah. And to clarify, at the end of the episode, future Vic tells present day Vic that he can't have it all. It's written on the on on Chipley, the time machine. Can't or can? He cannot have it all. That is I what he it was must can. Oh no, Nate, you were. <laughs> That's Nate's why I was like, so. Yeah, he's gonna power pose in the mirror. And go, you can have it all. Well, uh, it was <laughs> it's a really the good personal he... song that uh, actually has that. It's it's pretty good. Um. Yeah, I thought it was you can have it all. Like it was supposed to be like, hey, find a way for you to find your happiness. You can have it all is what it says. There's no you, apostrophe T. Is it? You Show can me have it all. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I thought he said you. Why can't would have Future it all. Vic without tech be telling him you can't have it all? If it's like you can have it all, you can have your tech. You can be cyborg and be happy. Like just don't do the things that I did, which is not have tech. You can't you, have it all. I don't Look think at the subtitles. That's a, oh, oh wow! I didn't even see the subtitles. <laughs> Dang, that is a very that's a bad T. Hey, future Vic, why don't you uh, go there's back no in time e. and fix your handwriting? Yeah, there's no E either. It's just H A V. Oh yeah, it is written poorly on purpose. Okay, I mean, yeah, you didn't have time to have perfect grammar. Okay. Spelling. Well, the difference between an apostrophe T and not having one is kind of like a world of difference on that message, though. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't have it all. Yes, it can't have it all. You can't mm. have it all. Nate, when you go to bed tonight, realize you can't have Dude, it all. Dude, that's every day of my freaking life. Yeah, but you should at least try for something. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't have it all. So... The reality that, or what's suggested by that, is that you want to be normal, but you want to be a superhero. You want to be super, but you also want to be not super. You know, you want to be, you want to be baseline, but you also want to be at the height of 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 power. It's you can't. You you gotta you gotta balance it out. And um, I don't know. I'm not one to to suggest anything, but it's like maybe when you were cyborg, you were kind of middling 
that road. And sure, that in-between is frustrating. That's life. That's that Frank Sinatra song. Hey, that's life, you know? Uh, so maybe he's got he's to gotta wrestle with that, reconcile with that, if you will. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very... I, th- I feel like that, is, that was the, um, the mantra for today's episode, is you can't have it all. And that applies to, to all of them, right? You know, it applies to Rita Farr. You can't have it all. You can't be the leader of the Doom Patrol and, and a good person and, and have be respect. controlling of... <laughs> Yeah, be controlling of every every person that's in the room and be demanding like that. Like, that um, kind of authoritative figure um, with so much power and responsibility, you can't have it all. Um, Robot Man, with now the ability to feel with a a fragment of his hand, uh, you can't have it all. You can't be 100% cliff steel again can't but have a whole you hand can't, you can't have the whole hand but a finger um and then over time you know the nano machines will um adapt but you can't have it all right now so um that's that's what he has to wrestle with as well um dr harrison being primary of k chalice it's like sure that's one win uh and you and you got another win defeating cod piece but you can't have it all if you, you know, as, as time goes on, you will realize that there's, that there's more. Um, and then, of course, Negative Man, him and Keeg are, are still working things out. It looks like they've got it more figured out than most people, at least at the beginning of the episode. Um, Nate, how'd you feel about uh, Keeg and company in I think it's episode? great. I think it's really cool that um, we're just starting to see a growing Negative Man. Um, mm-hmm. Larry Trainer growing into that whatever idea of what Negative Man is supposed to be. Um, it's kind of like Blank Slate for me. Like, this is a new Negative Man character that I'm seeing. Um, new problems, new issues, and uh, having to, to fight with your inner self. Um, and, you know, now your inner self is its own entity. Now you gotta... Be, it's like a codependency thing, but trying to work without codependency. Um, and... It's it's like well, negative man Larry Trainer is like the complete opposite person you want to learn a lesson about codependency from because it's that's it it's there it is you know Ian Malcolm it's negative man is codependency that's that's it <laughs> that's the problem yeah. right there that's what the whole point of the character um, so it's really cool to just see where that's going to go um, when. Larry went into the future and saw his future ghost self, uh, and it was, um, you know, fetal position huddling in the corner of, of his, uh, of his greenhouse, and it was just like, yeah, this is just where I exist. Keeg is here, we just don't talk, and it's like, well, you're gonna use that as we just don't talk, and, like, you're gonna just be defeated and curl up into a ball, and yeah, I guess you are, because what else have you been doing for the rest of your life? That is exactly what you've done when you're faced with these challenges of looking inside yourself and trying to, to be better and, and fix yourself and all this stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Figure it out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out. That's, that is the, that, that's the quest. That is the quest for this season. I, I feel like Keeg is going to take us on a ride. Keeg is the one that we're, we're going to be tuning in every episode to get little clues about, you know, what is it that, 
happens in the future that that negative man may have um, uh, afflicted or, or, or what, but uh, there's something that Larry Trainer is really, really going to have to dig for. And I feel like the the answer to that, or even maybe the next part of the question that is revealed by Keek, um, I feel like that is setting up for what we've talked about, which is um, of them dealing with the future and, and the fear of it and, and what they have to work towards. Not just the immediate future of how do we solve the buttpocalypse, but um, further developing ourselves um, in, in our quest to be normal people, quote unquote. So it's a very interesting uh, a carrot uh, created by Keek. Um, a few other characters I have written here for today's episode. Shipley, the time machine. I want to give a shout out to Shipley because Shipley is a character, right? Um, something I noticed about Shipley in today's episode is that when we go to the future and we're in the doom manor, there is another Shipley being built. Is that correct? Did you see like, it looked like a Shipley that was stripped down or being built? Um, when they're in I, the basement, I, the, the future version of Shipley. I thought it was, um, yeah, trying to rebuild the the time machine. I thought that's what they were doing because that's why the whole idea of like, oh, Vic's going that whole future Doom Patrol is going to steal the time machine. Um, I just thought it was you know normal nefarious future beings of trying to get back to you know the good old days and yada yada. What do they do? They build a time machine, but. You know, you can't get all the parts and stuff like that. Maybe that's what I was assuming of what, um, like, why was Victor using a, a, a what the hell, a metal, de- what are they called? A metal detector. Oh, a metal detector? Yeah, in the town yeah. square and stuff like that. Was he looking for the time machine? Was he for waiting? Technology. Yeah, what, did they know that the past selves were going to come into the future at that certain point of time and he's just waiting and searching the ground for the time machine being buried or anything like that was he looking for parts to fix the time machine all of these things so it it, it just kind of made sense um i didn't see any I, I didn't i didn't see any need to look further into that than just like oh yeah they were just trying to build another time machine What's really cool, though, is that this show is like now and it's so normal that time travel is just a thing. The Doom Patrol, in order to get from point A to point B, they don't take the bus anymore. They take the freaking time machine. That's so cool. That was one of my thoughts. Like, hey, if you wanted to go to Florida, maybe take the Doom bus. I think the Doom bus was destroyed or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it got flipped. Remember the the fog and everything got destroyed? Yeah. They were like, we're going to go beat the sisterhood, and then they got destroyed. But... um, Yes, um, taking the time machine to go to Florida, probably not the best recipe for success. Um, probably not the best w- for your lawn either, huh? Am I right? Jeez, the cost <laughs> of sod these days? Come on. What are we doing? St. Augustine, all the entire front yard? Jeez, that's like three grand. Now we got to do so the watering? Oh, my yeah. God. And then it gets those dry spots, those brown spots. And Dude, dead you're grass. supposed to have Bahia in Florida. St. Augustine doesn't grow here naturally. It's just great because it looks good for ground cover and it grows in a vine pattern. I know. I understand. I get it. I know you want it for your front yard, but its maintenance is more destructive to the earth and its natural habitat in our subtropical climate than Bahia grass. Switch to Bahia. I, I'd like to think so. I was looking at the table of documents, right? And yeah. Madame Rouge is looking at uh, uh, blueprints, uh, research notes on wormholes, 
Um, there is a bit of documents on Shipley's design. So I was thinking I'd have to rewatch season three for the origin, but it looked to me like they were building Shipley for the first time. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to get the timeline in order again. Again, we're dealing with time travel. Sometimes A and B don't connect as easily as I'd like, but the idea is, oh, they want, uh, you know, future Vic was trying to steal Shipley because it's there now, but Shipley didn't exist until they created it further in the future to go back. Maybe at some point, Madame Rouge and the Brotherhood of Evil take Shipley, and that's or was how Shipley in the normalcy was it in the bureau, and so they took it then. I don't well, remember. The brother, Brotherhood of Evil had it, didn't they? And then Madame Rouge went to the future, yeah. or she, yeah, and then uh, what? Penelope Feathers got lost in there, in 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 the time hole. Yeah, uh, it's you know, I for me, I was looking at it going, oh, I, I wonder if Shipley is being built for the. So first the question time. is, who builds Shipley? And maybe Madame Rouge. Why is Shipley is, is yet to become a villain? Yeah, and then we'll yeah. yeah why is Shipley? We'll Shipley has a flux capacitor inside of him. Do you see that? I don't know. I think yes. we, I feel like we talked about that before. I think we did talk about it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, and very interesting character. Um, one other very small character I want to mention before we get into uh, one big final reveal character is um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Cellphone Sylvia. Did you catch that name earlier? When so Vic and, and Silas, yeah, oh, and the Edge Lords, yes, and the yes, Edge Lords, yes, yes, yes. yes. So uh, this was a real deep cut, and I'm talking deep cut like it's so deep it just happened like yesterday. Um, Wonder Twins in 2019, they have a comic book run that comes out. Uh, one of the characters oh in my the God, I remember uh, that was I remember when that was being announced. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Um, she's part of the uh, what were they called? It was like the the League of Anoints in the Wonder Twins. Cell phone Sylvia is a uh, a character that has a f- cell phone that she's always on, and it has the ability to send people to the Phantom Zone. So if what it's a great very device, <laughs> it's so silly. It, it feels like something written f- by Gerard Way for like umbrella academy or or, or uh, doom patrol but this is in wonder twins right yeah it feels like a legion's character like legion superhero future stuff i don't it's it's cool but it's also it's also social commentary on today with kids with their phones all the time in their hands all the texting you know you could say the cell phone itself is a is a phantom zone you could say the cell phone itself is its own character yeah, it really is. So the Doom Patrol, Rick is saying that the Doom Patrol worked with Cell Phone Sylvia to send the Edge Lords into into the Phantom Zone, um, which I guess that is its own metaphor. You could block people on Twitter if you really don't like talking to them. Um, the fact and, that it's just like a normal used phrase, just like even outside of DC Comics, just like the you know send it to the Phantom Zone. It's like you know that's from Superman, right? Like, <laughs> When like- someone is going to be in a big room of people, very learned individuals, I'm telling you, and if it already hasn't happened, someone is going to say, and it's going to be a big thing, they're going to do the whole, like, uh, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, and why isn't anybody in that room, like, standing up being like, you can't just quote Spock, like, this is real shit that's happening, guys, like, you can't just go off on Vulcan made-up logic, you know? But anyway. life imitates art, Nathan. 
oh, I know. And science fiction is science fact, and we're all writing it because it's all like, it all means something, you know? The fact that people can, you can quote Spock and it be taken as like a real learned individual saying, like, yes, that is a sound piece of advice. And you're like, dude, Gene Roddenberry was writing this stuff in the 70s. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's cool. But at the same time, it's like, duh. Like that, we, <laughs> we know how to be better people. Like, go watch a we Star do. Trek or something. Go read a book. That's a really good there. note to yeah. It's a really anyway. good note to end on. Like, we know how to be good people. We just we choose not to, and yeah. it's the power of choice that ruins it for us, um, or or make things better. You decide. It's your choice. Um, last character. Obviously, we have Willoughby Kipling, played by Mark Shepard. He returns. Uh, to play Willoughby Kipling again in Doom Patrol Season 4, but he's here to introduce a new classic character. Immortus will rise again, as the photograph says. We also have um, this this Lord Rabbit. I, I didn't catch the name of the rabbit, but B- now we Bumbery? have... Bumbery? Bumbery. We have a new talking animal to join us for Ezekiel and Admiral Whiskers. Bumbery isn't new. Bumbery was in a, the, he's like the leader of the Knights of the Templar. Yeah, he's like a, yeah, the leader of the Templar. Um, but Immortus. Um, yes. I don't think Immortus has been mentioned before. Um, and Immortus, it's General Immortus. It's a character in classic Doom Patrol. Um, you've, you've seen him with the likes of the Brotherhood of Evil and Madame Rouge. Uh, he's usually like an old guy with like a monocle. Um, and he's just been, you know, living Evil general for, a, for years. Yeah. He's just yeah. a war machine, you know? Basically. So yeah. um, this is a big thing. This is huge. I mean, General Immortus. Yeah, it's like it could it could start a whole a whole legion of 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 doom if you will. I mean, um, we were we were discussing it, you know, previously, I think in season 3 when we had the end of the brain and monster mala and we're like, well, are are we going to see other characters like Immortus and stuff? And you know what? Signs point to yes, am I right? Yeah. It looks like we will see General Immortus in in at, maybe by the end of season 4, but in the show in general, it looks like General Immortus is being hinted at. Um, this is big because this is something you and I have brought up from time to time. Um, but the Doom Patrol characters, uh, do not age. And we know that, uh, Niles Calder has always been experimenting with the Doom Patrol characters, created their origin stories because he's always been looking for a source of immortality. Um, it's, it's, it's been his quest with the Bureau of Oddities. Um, he challenged those that would later start the Bureau of Normalcy. And I even had to go back on a few of those episodes and make sure that none of those characters were hinted to be General Immortus, and I just overlooked it. But, um, yeah, it's it General Immortus being in the picture, being this person who has lived for so long, and, and um, usually he's a very old character, so he's living long, but at what cost, right? He's just, like, a really old guy. Um, but the Doom Patrol, they stay the way that they look, but they've been alive for almost a century now um so it's very important to consider who and what general immortus is and who and what the doom patrol themselves are we've always seen parallels in the villains and the heroes within doom patrol a lot of them are have more in common than than they don't uh so general immortus being hinted at 
I feel like it's the right time to bring in such a character because it, that character could close the doors on the entire show if, if the show was headed for a series finale, General Immortus being um, a parallel to their immortality. I feel like that that's a very really big character um, to bring into the mix. Um, that, but with that... Something to see, anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's all I had for this episode, Nathan. Is there anything you would like to add about today's season opener? Um, no, a lot of it just kind of bleeds into the next episode. Yes, absolutely. And if you are listening, we, um, we are part of the Dueling Genre Network now, so we also have a Patreon for Dueling Genre and to help support not only our show, but every show that is within the Dueling Genre Network. There's a ton of great shows, a lot of podcasts that talk about um, Star Wars, Marvel, um, other DC properties, comic books, Disney content a ton of stuff so a lot of original shows that are great like geek by night which is a complete um audio drama podcast it's written about superheroes um that are just you know normal people that used to be working in a comic book store and now they're superheroes written by scott corelli there's a bunch of great content um a lot of it's available you know just on where you listen to podcasts but also there's with patreon there comes more exclusive podcasts that are tied to it um, so it helps support us. So um, if you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you know, please leave us a positive review. Tell us what you like. Um, hit us up on the social medias. I guess Twitter is, is our only source at this point. Um, and I don't even know how long we're going to be staying on that. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, let us know what you think about today's episode and what you thought about uh, the podcast. And we'll catch you guys next time here on Doom Patrol Radio. Stop.